Welcome to How to Catholic with Kevin and Lisa Cotter, a podcast dedicated to helping you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence. Welcome to the Liturgical Lowdown for the month of March. I'm your host, Lisa Cotter, and in this episode, I'll be giving you insights, histories, and ideas on how to celebrate and integrate the liturgical life of the Catholic Church into your own home this month. If this is your first time listening in on a liturgical lowdown, scroll back to Season 4, Episode 4, How to Liturgical Living, and give it a listen to get the most out of this episode. Thanks for joining me. Let's get started. Hey, it's time for another liturgical lowdown. And this just might be the shortest liturgical lowdown that I do. I say that and it might not be true. Actually, it might go long. But in theory, it should be because it is the month of March. And March has not very many feast days because it's typically pretty much mostly consumed with the season of Lent which doesn't have a whole lot of feasting, but more so fasting. So, however, there's some good stuff going on this month, so March totally gets a liturgical lowdown. So let's dive into this month's devotion. This month's devotion is to the man, St. Joseph. I love this. St. Joseph is, of course, Jesus's dad here on earth. And we love St. Joseph so much here at the How To Podcast. Catholic podcast that we did a whole episode on St. Joseph, season three, episode 16. So I will link to that because there's a whole bunch of information for you there on that episode, but there's still plenty we can talk about here on the liturgical lowdown, in particular to this month's devotion. So uh, because the fact that the feast of St. Joseph, which is March 19th, which is celebrated in this month of St. Joseph, It's so unique. What I'm going to do right now is I'm just going to talk about St. Joseph in general. And then when we get to his solemnity, then we will discuss the traditions of his feast day because they are many and they are great. And you're going to want to celebrate his day for sure. So some ways to celebrate and meditate this month in general on St. Joseph. Start with a prayer, which uh, the prayer suggests, which is great. Anytime we're leading up to a solemnity, it's great to do a novena. So I'm going to link to the novena to St. Joseph, and I'm going to link in two ways. One is to the words, but then I'm also going to link to this great podcast called Pray More Novenas. And Pray More Novenas has the novena for you, and it's audible. So you can listen to it because it's like a podcast episode today. So they're like three minutes long for the novena. And I love this in general, this podcast. It's really neat because every time there's a major um, novena that that can be prayed leading up to, not even major, sometimes minor too, leading up to a particular feast day, they will do um, nine episodes, little mini episodes of that novena. So if you subscribe to the podcast, and you have your push notifications on, it'll pop up and tell you there's a new episode, and then you can just listen to that day's novena right then and there. And that's a great way, this is a good Catholic hack right here, to get your novenas in 
because it's so easy to forget them. So two ways to pray it. One would be uh, just reading it yourself. I'll link to that. Second way would be you can sign up for Pray More Novenas. Sign up. Sorry, you can subscribe to Pray More Novenas and they will just send you that little notification reminder. Totally great. Also for St. Joseph, there is an audio story, which I think is hilarious because St. Joseph never said anything in the Bible, but somehow we have an audio story on him. Apparently there's a lot he didn't say, but we can infer. I don't know. So Glory Stories has the story of St. Joseph, the life of St. Joseph. You can uh, check that out. I'll link to that as well as there is a movie about St. Joseph from My Catholic Family, which is a kid series that EWTN put together. So I'll link to that as well. Decor for this month, of course, this is a great month to place a picture or a statue, some kind of an image of St. Joseph in your prayer space. So you can be remembering to call on him for his intercession throughout the month. And then I'm also going to link to a whole lap book and memory matching game that you can get for free from Shower of Roses, who I often refer to because she's just so dang great. A lap book is, uh, it's for kids and it's basically file folders if you can imagine this and there's little like mini booklets and things that you glue into it and it's it's just kind of fun you just got to check it out if you don't know what a lap book is I don't know how to describe it okay the pope's monthly intention for this month is recognition of the right of Christian communities prayer goes as so that Christian communities especially those who are persecuted Feel that they are close to Christ and have their rights respected. So that is the prayer that the Pope is asking us to pray as Universal Church this month. So some actions to take would be to, of course, write it on your chalkboard, dry erase board, letter board, whatever you have, and place it in your prayer space. And also I would suggest with Lent starting here in this month of March, to resolve to offer up your sacrifices, some of your sacrifices for those who are persecuted. Never, ever, ever, promise me, never, ever, ever to waste suffering. There's always somebody who you can offer it up for. And if you can't think of anybody, then just remember the persecuted this month to offer up your suffering for. Okay, so as I've already kind of mentioned, often... It is in February that Lent begins, but sometimes it doesn't begin until March. And this year is one of those years in 2019 here. Lent begins on March 6th. So not to ignore that fact that this is a major part of liturgically what's going on in March, I am going to reference you to, we have a How to Lent podcast. It's season one, episode 15. And we talk about resolution making. I still need to do like a a whole Lenten podcast that's specifically just on Lent, kind of like we do here on the liturgical lowdowns. But if you're thinking about your resolutions, that is a great episode to check out. And second thing, I mentioned this last month as well in the February liturgical lowdown, but we are running a little special for you here uh, with Catholic Family Crate. And they are a newer apostolate that is putting out amazing boxes, quarterly boxes that are just filled with Catholic goodies. So I described it in depth on the last episode. Um, but what you need to know is that if you would like to try it out at a discount, use the code how to Catholic. I believe it's all caps, how to Catholic to get 20% off your first crate. So that is my little gift to you. Instead of 
taken an affiliate link. I said, can I just pass the savings on to my listeners? So if you head over there, you can still purchase uh, crates. I know they are running out. They have different varying levels. You can also get a digital crate. There's all kinds of stuff. So basically everything you need for Lent to celebrate in your home is shipped to your house. So you don't have to think about it. You don't have to be creative. You don't have to go shopping. They just give it to you. So go ahead over there and check it out. Let's talk about some feasts for this month. There are only a few. This is the month with the lowest amount of feasts, but we can deep dive into a couple of them here. So let's do it. Let's start with March 3rd, which is still before Lent begins. It is the Feast of St. Catherine Drexel. And this is an optional memorial, but I love her because she is the second born U.S. saint to be canonized. And she lived in eight feet, uh, she was born in 1858 and died in 1955. So relatively still kind of new. And you'll notice there, she lived a long life, 58 to 55. Crazy, crazy. So she was born and raised in a very devoutly Catholic home. And they often shared with the poor. They were incredibly wealthy, but there's great stories about the way that their family served those around them. But after both of her parents died, her family's, I believe it was at the time, $15.5 million estate, which mm, this is, you know, like 18, I don't know what, 80, 90, something like that, maybe a little later. Massive amounts of money all of a sudden are given to Catherine, and she has two sisters that it's divided between herself and her two sisters. And she had a great heart, and so did her sisters, for the underprivileged, especially Native Americans and African Americans. So she began giving her money to causes that would support and benefit these people. And eventually she was on vacation, I guess, in Europe. And so they said, well, let's go talk to the Pope because we need missionaries to help serve these uh, underprivileged, not well taken care of people, and they deserve better. So they went to the Pope, and they're like, could you send us missionaries? And he was like, um, why don't you just do it? I'm sure he said it just like that, too. But it's kind of a hilarious story. He was like, yeah, how about you? And so Catherine prayed about it, thought about it, and she said, yeah, why not me? So she went and became a missionary and did amazing, amazing things for the church and um, founded um, the first school, a college actually, university for African-Americans in Louisiana. Um, That was first in the country, specific Catholic African-American school because at the time there was segregation, all that stuff, and served on Indian reservations and just has an incredible litany of what it is that she accomplished in her lifetime, including founding a religious order. So St. Catherine Dresch School, she's amazing. Little little tip here for you. How you know who a Catholic Catherine is named after their namesake depends on the spelling. So if she's a C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, then she's named after Sienna, most likely. If she's a K-A-T-H-A-R-I-N-E, then she's a Drexel. So there you go. Different spellings. All right, so... Prayers for St. Catherine. I will link to a prayer to St. Catherine. I will link to a couple of uh, a chapter book for her. It's St. Catherine Drexel, Friend of the Oppressed. And there's also an audio story, St. Catherine Drexel, which is by Glory Stories. And bonus, it's on the same download as St. Joseph. So it's the same downloader CD. St. Joseph and Catherine Drexel are put together on the same CD. So if you get the CD, then you get both of them for this month, which is great. And then finally, I'm going to link to a coloring 
well, two things, coloring page by drawn to the number two, drawn to then the letter B creative.com. Uh, Kristen has all kinds of downloadable, beautiful, actually colorable coloring pages, sometimes coloring pages, Catholic kid coloring pages. You're like, my kid can't color on this. It's way too intricate, but hers are very kid friendly. I really like them. That's a great place to go for all kinds of saints. And sometimes she'll have things that you might have to pay a couple bucks for. For example, she has a Lenten bundle for like five bucks, but you get all these sheets, worksheets that you can use. So if you are teaching CCD or catechism or whatever your church calls it, or if you're a teacher or if you have kids, it's great to be able to just quickly print off great Catholic coloring pages from someone like Kristen. Also, you can go to reallifeathome.com and Angie over there has lots of free like worksheet packets. And so she has a worksheet packet on Catherine Jexla with like things like crossword puzzles and word searches and things like that on the saint. So a couple additional things. So I don't think I've mentioned worksheets and coloring pages before. So those are two places you can go, but there's a plethora online of Catholic worksheets and coloring pages for kids that you can find. If you just search the saint and put in coloring page or worksheet, stuff will pop up. And oftentimes it's free or just super cheap, a couple bucks for a download or something. All right, next feast day is one we all are aware of, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, which is only an optional memorial here in the U.S., which is like the lowest of the low solemn, like the lowest of the low feast days. And the fact that it's during Lent too, like, yeah, kind of interesting, right? How do we celebrate that? But if you live in Ireland or Australia, you're lucky because it's a solemnity, which is the highest of the high, which means that all bets are off on solemnities, even when it is Lent. So it's like it's not Lent for them on St. Patrick's Day. So we all know St. Patrick, right? He's the Irish saint, but maybe we're not so familiar with his history, so quickly to start, uh, he wasn't Irish. <laughs> Spoiler alert, uh, he actually wasn't Irish. He was from England and he lived from 387 to 461. And when he was uh, a teenager, he was captured by Irish pirates, which to me always just sounds funny because I don't picture pirates having an Irish accent, but there were Irish pirates and they captured him and they sold him into slavery to be a shepherd. And about five years or so later, he escaped and went back to England and was reunited with his family, but had a vision of God telling him to go and evangelize to Ireland. So he became a priest. He returned to the very pagan country of Ireland, traveled all over, preaching, teaching, building churches, monasteries, schools, all kinds of things. And after 40 years, the entire country was converted. So, I mean, yeah, he's pretty cool. So other things he's known for, he was a bishop. He was, uh, yeah, well, we all, not we all, but he's famous for the poem called St. Patrick's Breastplate, which is the uh, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me. Perhaps you've seen that before. That's one of his most famous poems. There's a legend that he drove out all of the snakes from Ireland uh, it also is said that he used to use the shamrock to explain the Trinity, which I recently learned in my grad school class on the creed that that's actually a terrible way to explain the Trinity because theologically it's completely inaccurate. 
But, you know, there you go. We all love our shamrocks. Just be careful how you explain it because it's slightly heretical. Okay, ways to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Catholic ways here. We obviously know the way that the world celebrates, meaning copious amounts of alcohol, but that is probably not what St. Patrick would want us to do. Definitely not what he would want us to do on his feast day. So prayer I'm going to link to is St. Patrick's Breastplate. I will link to that. And of course, this is the day that we wear green because if not, you get pinched and because it's the color of the represents Ireland. There are several books. I really love St. Patrick. So there are several books on St. Patrick's that I will link to. My favorite, which is not about the saint, but it's just a St. Patrick's Day book, is called St. Patrick's Day in the Morning. Uh, It's my favorite. So you got to check that one out. Also, there's an audio drama on St. Patrick. It's called The Trials of St. Patrick. It's put out by the Augustine Institute, by the Augustine Studios. So if you have form.org, you can listen to that. I think it's like three parts. Maybe it's more. But anyways, their audio dramas are fantastic, top-notch, highest quality you can get. So definitely want to check that out if you have form.org, or you can buy it too if you don't have the, the app. And some movies, there's Patrick Brave Shepherd of Emerald Island, which is the old CCC uh, cartoons for kids. And there's a newish movie out called St. Patrick, the Irish Legend, which is an interesting name because he's real. He's not a legend, but anyways, I don't know how good it is, but it exists. So if you want to check it out, you can. Music for St. Patrick's Day course you can listen to any Irish music but I would recommend Celtic Spring which is a fantastic family Catholic family um, band and they're so crazy talented and the uh, at least I know for sure the sisters in the in the band can play the fiddle while doing Irish step at the same time I've actually seen them do it live because one of the sisters was Mary Claire's Irish step teacher for a year and they're just a lovely, lovely people, very talented. So check out Celtic Spring for some music. I think they were on like America's Got Talent or something at some point or one of those kinds of shows. That's how good they are, just so you know. Finally, a couple of crafty things. There's a lap book that you can get for St. Patrick. I'm all about the lap books apparently this time. And crafts, you know, you do things like make shamrocks. Just don't explain them with the Trinity. Using Don't use them to explain the Trinity. And snake crafts. You can make snake crafts because uh, St. Patrick drove them out. Okay, next we have March 19th, which is a solemnity. Solemnities are the best in Lent because all bets are off. So remember, March 19th, it's not Lent. It is a break from Lent. We are celebrating. So if you gave up chocolate, you get to eat chocolate all day long. If you... Uh, are taking cold showers, you get to take a really long hot shower on March 19th. Those are the rules, so you have to follow them. This is how it goes. Solemnity of St. Joseph is one of our favorite liturgical feast days to celebrate because A, we love St. Joseph, and B, we love the interruption of the fasting. So nine years ago, we began hosting an annual party to celebrate the Solemnity of St. Joseph. We kind of joke that it's like our Christmas party because that's the one time of year we just, like it's open door and we invite everybody over and it's a lot of fun. So this celebration revolves around this St. Joseph's altar. So everybody gets together for this great feast in the St. Joseph altar. 
And this is an Italian tradition. It comes, it, well, originates from Sicily. So Sicily was going through this devastating drought. So they were praying to St. Joseph. He uh, brought rain. And then after that, you know, the crops began to grow and, and the famine ceased. And so every year to thank St. Joseph for bringing the rain, they host a big party on his solemnity. So the altar itself is... It's a table that's set up and it has three tiers to it, typically representing the Trinity and the three members of the Holy Family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And it's decorated always with a statue or a picture of St. Joseph. Usually there's lilies because that's St. Joseph's flower because it represents purity. There's always candles and then there's just a ton of foods. So some of the traditional foods include breads that are shaped like ladders or hammers or nails because St. Joseph was a carpenter. There's also crosses or uh, wreaths that are kind of like a crown of thorns, things that represent Jesus. There's always pastries that are filled with dried figs because Sicily is known for its fig orchards. Oftentimes on the table, some other traditions would be 12 fish for the 12 apostles, fava beans. Fava beans are a staple because that is what did sustain the Sicilians throughout the drought is the fava bean never failed, so they had something to eat. Um, other things on the table might be breadcrumbs that look like sawdust, olive oil and wine for the vineyards and orchards that are in Sicily. And then there's this one weird thing that I don't understand at all. It's called, I'm going to say it wrong, pignolati which is this like pine cone shaped treat because apparently Jesus played with pine cones when he was a kid. That one I don't understand at all, but it's a thing. And then finally, another traditional thing was is the uh, pupa de lo, la uva, which is those Easter breads that you see um, where there's like a dyed Easter egg, like baked or like the breads baked around the Easter eggs that are really beautiful. And that's just a reminder that Easter is coming. So they make them early. And then the most important thing that you eat on the Feast of St. Joseph is cream puffs. Cream puffs. I don't know why, but the Italians eat copious amounts of cream puffs on the Feast of St. Joseph. Shops, pastries, pastry shops, they all have them. They sell out of them. It's, it's the thing you do traditionally is you go get a cream puff on St. Joseph's Feast Day. So make sure you at least eat a cream puff. If you do nothing else, make sure you eat a cream puff on the Feast, the Solemnity of St. Joseph. All right, so I'm going to link to several things because we have uh, been big fans of the St. Joseph Feast Day. Of course, I talk about it a lot on my former mommy blog. So I am going to link to a post back from 2014, which gives you all the info on all the different foods and traditions that go with the Feast of St. Joseph. And then another link that shows the way that we decorate our house and we deck it out for the Feast of St. Joseph. And we just do the same thing every year. So I have kind of built up this collection of decorations over the years and we pull them out every year, decorate the house for this day. And then I will also link to a uh, prayer for a altar blessing. If you do a St. Joseph's party, you got to bless the altar. So I'll link to a prayer for that. And like we wear green on St. Patrick's Day, you wear red on St. Joseph's Day because it's the Italian feast and that's their color. So make sure you pull out your red that day and wear it. And there's a great children's book called Song of the Swallows, which is about St. Joseph's Day. And it's about the birds returning to the mission in California on St. Joseph's Day 
just gave away the book, but it's a really sweet book. So you should check that out. All right. Next feast day is also a solemnity. So these are these are the two. These are the two fast breakers that um, we get to enjoy during the Lenten season. They're almost always in Lent. March 25th is the solemnity of the Annunciation of our Lord. So hooray for that. Just like a week later, we get another break. So this is, of course, the day we celebrate when Angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, you will conceive by the Holy Spirit and you're going to have a son. And if you are doing your math, you'll note that it's exactly nine days, nine days, nine months before Christmas, March 25th, nine months later, December 25th, Jesus' birthday. Good job, church. So some things to consider to do that day. First of all, uh, for prayer, great day to pray the first joyful mystery, which is the Annunciation, or to pray the Angelus, which is the traditional prayer that's prayed at 6, 12, and 6, and it kind of recounts the Annunciation and that greeting and that uh, exchange between Mary and the angel Gabriel. Um, Since we're sticking with this theme of colors, we're green on St. Patrick's Day, we're red on St. Joseph's Day, and for Mary, you can wear blue on the Feast of the Annunciation. Just mapping out your wardrobe for you, trying to make life easy. You don't have to make decisions. So that's my gift to you on this episode here, I guess. Uh, A couple of things that are fun. Art appreciation for this day. There are some great works of art by Fra Angelico. And um, I'm going to link to, there's a couple of YouTubes that Khan Academy has put out that has explains these works of art. So I'm going to link to two of those videos on his beautiful images. You probably will recognize when you see it. This image of the Annunciation is the most famous one that I can think of um, by Fra. And uh, um, you can go and watch that and learn a little bit more about that. And now I'm questioning my pronunciation. Is it Frau or Fra? Or how do you, I don't know how you say it, but it's brother, I'm pretty sure. I think I should do more research sometimes, but you know, uh, I do do a lot. I'm not saying I don't. I'm not making stuff up, I promise. Okay, food, food for the day. This is fun. March 25th is International Waffle Day. Now, if you really are into Waffle Day, August 24th, I think it is, is National Waffle Day in the United States. But International Waffle Day is March 25th. And this originates from Sweden. In Sweden, the 25th is Waffle Dagen, something like that. And it is the day where Swedish women uh, set aside like their winter tasks of, um, you know, having to like, you know, this is traditional, right? Like having to like chop wood and knit sweaters and things like that. And they begin their spring tasks by preparing waffles. I, I don't, I don't quite fully understand it, but this is what they do. They make waffles, but there's a link here because it's the Feast of the Annunciation is the reason why they do this, which this is so confusing. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> the day in Swedish, I guess, is Varfudegen, which kind of sounds like Vafeldegen. And Varfudegen, which I'm probably saying wrong, is Our Lady's Day. So the two words sound kind of similar, so they just went with it. So that's right. 
There's a secular international waffle day, but it's really about the Annunciation via this Swedish tradition. So today, you eat waffles, or you can host a waffle eating competition, or a waffle party where everybody brings a topping to share and you make awesome waffles, or if you're really cool, you could host a waffle breakfast for the homeless. That would be pretty incredible. But if you're really tired and you're like, oh, that sounds exhausting, then you just buy Eggo waffles and you pop them in the toaster that day. So make sure you eat your cream buffs on St. Joseph's Day and eat your waffles on the Annunciation and you will be a liturgical rock star. All right. Before I round out the feast for this month, I do want to give one more liturgical nerd a uh, tidbit, and that is that most feast days, with the exception of the solemnities, are technically called, so these like memorials and optional memorials are technically called commemorations because they are happening simultaneously with Lent. So it's a commemoration. So it's like a co-memorial, I think is what that means, during Lent. So just want to make sure you knew that technicality before I tell you the rest of these as optional memorials and memorials because really they're commemorations technically on the calendar uh, if you get real technical. So other celebrations of note this month would be Felicity and Perpetua is on the 7th. It's their memorial and they are martyrs during the Roman persecution. You also hear them at mass when they, um, when we're doing the Eucharistic prayers, you'll often hear um, them listed, uh, Felicity and Perpetua. And they have a really cool story, which I don't have time to dive into, but I will, um, I will give you the link to that. And you can learn more about them. On the 8th is John of God, which is an optional memorial. The 9th is Francis of Rome, an optional memorial. The 18th is Cyril of Jerusalem, optional memorial. And on the 23rd is Turibio de Mogovejo, which is an optional memorial. Y'all, I'm so sorry. I feel like I cannot pronounce anything in this episode. I'm not really sure what's going on, but... um, those are the optional memorials. And that is pretty much every feast day slash memorial slash day on the calendar during the month of month of March. So it's a super short list because it is Lent for the most part. So that is it. That is it for this liturgical lowdown. Of course, the how-to challenge for this episode is to pick two things. And uh, if you want to keep it simple, you just eat your cream puffs and your waffles and you're good to go. Two things to celebrate. Maybe you should add in some prayer stuff too because that's that's important too. So add those in uh, to your monthly plans and use that hashtag HowToCatholic. I'd love to see you celebrating a liturgical year in your own life and in your own home. For all the links to the ideas, prayers, resources, books, anything that I shared with you, you can find them in the show notes at madetomagnify.com. Until next month be saints. It's worth it.